from inside Memorial Stadium in the Huskers Radio Network studio. It's time for the Sideline Scoop with our Husker great NFL vet, Big Red Analyst, Jeremiah Searles. Here's your host, Jessica Cootie. Welcome back, everybody, into our third episode, but our first game week episode of the Sideline Scoop with Searles. Fresh haircut for you. Uh, going week. into game week. You're ready. It's game week. I'm ready to go. <laughs> I've been ready to go since Monday. I mean, this is something that you dream about all year long. Football season is officially back. The Huskers are opening football season. We're the only game. We're the only show on turf, and I couldn't be more excited about it. The haircut thing is kind of a part of a game week ritual for a lot of guys. Now, a lot of guys let their hair grow during season, but it, it kind of can be a superstitious thing. Is it for you? So I was always a get your hair cut at the beginning of the season, and I will not cut mm-hmm. it until we lose. It, uh, I just won't. Oh, right now? 100%. If we win, <laughs> if we win out and we win 12 games, I will have shaggy, gross beard hair Man bun, all let's over go. the place by the time the season's end. But the second we lose, you regroup, you cut it again, and you start all over. But for some guys, though, it is part of their game week yep. routine. Yeah, I mean, I know in Buffalo, we, had, uh, we would have barbecue that would come in on Thursdays and everyone would line up and get their hair cut and guys go to their spot and it's everyone's very different about their hair um coach Tony Sperano who ended up passing away he was like me he didn't cut his hair but he really didn't have any hair to start with so when we went 13 and 3 in 2017 he had this long kind of greased back hair then once we cut it like everyone just went and we lost everyone just went and cut their hair and looked good again that is awesome okay well um Camp is done, and the mm. last time we, we chatted, they were in the middle of the grind. It was kind of getting to that point where you're like, you, I think you called it death. Mm-hmm. Um, where are you at right now mentally as a player as you officially are, are done with fall camp and you move into game week? Yeah, so I mean, this week's the whole mindset shift for everyone that's a player. You go from your competition with each other to trying to be a starter to trying to be a backup to you now know your role. You know your role of what you are. You're either a starter, you're a rotational guy. You're someone that's going to get some meaningful snaps or you're not going to get snaps unless someone gets hurt. And then you've really got your first taste of what scout team's like this week. If you're the backup, you ran scout team and it was your job to give the best look you could to the offense, to the defense. And now you're just kind of preparing in a different light than you are camp. If you're the starter, you're now fully focused on Illinois. You have no more cares about I'm not playing against Ben Stilley this week or I'm not playing against Jojo Doman or your Cam Taylor Britt not playing against Samari Ture or Omar Manning. You're playing against Illinois. You have the real bullets flying, and that gives you a little bit extra boost. And I think we talked about it on both episodes beforehand. The Big Ten opponent really just gives you that little bit extra juice coming right out the gate, too. So that being said, I mean, we've heard it. You don't really know what to expect with this Illinois coaching staff. So so what do you think they're doing, and, and how much – is that even matter in, in this first game? You know, the first game is so much less about what the other team does and so much more about what you do. Mm-hmm. As much as we're sitting over here in Lincoln going, we don't know what they're going to do. We don't know. that They don't really know what we're going to do either. Because I guarantee you Scott and Chenander and Lubick are all going to go out there and not just be like, yep, here's what we looked like last year. We look exactly the same. We've got wrinkles. We've got change-ups. And the way that first games are won – is by minimizing the mistakes. They're by minimizing the errors and the fumbles and the offsides and taking care of the small things and then adjusting to things as the game goes on. The team that adjusts best will win this football game. The team that can come to the sideline, make the real-time adjustments, and then put it right back on the field the next series and execute it is the team I think that's really going to have the leg up in this game. You mentioned errors uh, last year against Illinois. What five turnovers? Mm-hmm. Um, 
41 to 23 uh, final, two fumbles, three interceptions. Um, you know, I, I really feel like this team is ready to not talk about last year and kind of move forward. And it's a different team, it's a different feel. But if you were a player on that team, how much do you maybe look at that and look at you know those errors, but then also the defensive line and how much Illinois was really able to, to run all over the place? You know, I think that if you're looking back at 2020 season against Illinois, it couldn't have started any worse. I mean, right out the gate, backwards pass. That wasn't really a backwards pass. It then allowed them a short field. They go down and score, and the snowball didn't really stop from there. And so if you're a guy that played in that game last year, you absolutely are tired of hearing about it. Because mm-hmm. I promise you the coach has been talking about it and talking about, hey, we could have won this game, but guess what? Look at all the errors we had and why we didn't win this game. Look at all the reasons why we didn't. And as a player, you look at that and go, okay, if we just stop doing dumb things and we just focus on executing the X's and O's of the game at a high level, we should be able to go out there and beat this team. And I thoroughly believe that after watching the tape. I thoroughly believe if you can get out of your own way as a Husker, we should go out there and beat this team. There's a lot more question marks on their team than there is on our team. And all you have to do is make that other team, like I talked about the adjustments, make them start questioning themselves while we're doing our thing and we're rolling and we're just popping after it and we're just going after those guys and allow them to make the doubts and allow them to start playing like not to make a mistake and allow us to play free and fast and physical. Uh, Well, Adrian Martinez has been a big topic about, I mean, obviously this offense is going to go how he goes, right? And uh, a lot of talk about how confident he is, how he's had such a great camp. Mm -hmm. And he's played well against Illinois in his career. He didn't start the game last year, but in in two career starts, 791 yards of total offense. 2019, the last time that Nebraska went to Illinois, he had a heck of a game. 328 passing yards, 118 rushing yards, just the second 300 passing, 100-yard rushing game in school history. Can he take something away from that? When you're talking about confidence and, and his need to, to keep that confidence level high, he's talked about that. Can you maybe reflect on that and be like, hey, I had a heck of a game here last time I played in this stadium. Yeah, he remembers it. I remember that game. That was a fun game to watch. It was back and forth and all over, up and down, and both teams were scoring. And he just stays so cool throughout all of that. He always has, whether it's been a high of a high or a low of a low. He's been very cool, but I promise you he's going to walk on that field and remember those moments. Mm -hmm. He's going to have a little bit of swagger to him where he remembers the last time he walked off that field, he bawled. And so (laughs) I think he's going to walk in there with a lot of confidence, and it's going to take one or two plays for him to really fire up that confidence and pick right back up where he left there. But again, he's one of those guys that he had some errors in that game too. He had a couple turnovers in that game, and they were still able to win. He again is thinking – If I just clean up one or two things, my ball security, my decision-making, it shouldn't be close because I should be able to do exactly what I did, but even better now that I'm an old guy and not a young guy here. So I think he's going to have all the confidence in the world walking into Memorial Stadium in Illinois. And as you started kind of diving into Illinois, Mm -hmm. uh, you had some guys on the defense. So Adrian's going to have a hard time with a couple guys in particular for the Illinois defense. Yeah, I mean, you start looking at this Illinois defense, they have a lot of NFL talent on that defense. I've been able to kind of look at the national grades that I got, the Blesto grades, and look at what the NFL views these guys, which if you want to be successful in college, it's no secret, you need to have NFL talent. First guy I want to talk about is a guy named Calvin Avery and Roderick Perry, the two defensive linemen for them. So they switched to a 3-4. It's pretty apparent when you read stuff like when uh, Brett Bielma got here, all the DNs and then switched to outside linebackers. That's (laughs) usually the tall tale sign like, okay, these dudes are going to be standing up on the outside and there's going to be a Mm 3-4. So you start looking, okay, the two beef eaters inside, every 3-4 has them, right? We have Daniels. 
These guys have Avery and Perry. Guys are both 300 plus pounds. One's 335, one's 315. And they're just going to be there to two gap and eat space. And so when you're talking about a physical run game, it's really going to be a lot on Jurgens moving that nose guard. It's going to be a lot of those tackles digging out those four eyes. So those are the guys up front for the Illini that I was talking about. But now you talk about the matchup between the guards and the linebackers. When it's a true 3-4 scheme, those guards usually have free runs up to those linebackers. And that's where the, really the hay is made or the negative plays are made. Jake Hansen is a problem. This guy, if you do not put a hat on a hat, number 35, make sure you're watching him. He'll make every tackle on the field. He plays with his hair on fire. He plays physical downhill, but he's also kind of a slinky player. He knows how to avoid the contact, knows how to avoid the hits. We have two new guards. My guess, if I was like betting man, is going to be Ethan Piper and Mitch Schichterman are going to be in there getting after the is Hanson and Tolson is the other linebacker that I'm going to guess is going to start for them. They didn't come out with the depth chart, so we're all kind of speculating <laughs> here. But I think that those two guys is going to be the key matchup with the guards and if this run game is going to be able to get going or not because you got to make sure you put a hat on a hat for both those guys because they played a lot of football. Yeah, so, I mean, beside, break that down a little bit more. So Hanson's a preseason All-American. He is a guy that a lot of, a lot of eyes are going to mm -hmm. be on. How do you slow him down? How do you keep him from, from wrecking any havoc on Adrian? You know, the big thing is you got to make sure you get your double teams into the second level. Mm -hmm. You don't want to have two young guards going one-on-one -on -one with a seasoned vet linebacker because he's going to keep them on their toes. He's one play, he's going to put his chin underneath their helmet and smack them. The next one, he's going to try and pull them and pull them slings up around him. One time, he's going to try and backdoor them because he's got a bunch of different tools in his toolbox, the way that he likes to attack people. So the best way to do that, use your big bodies up front and move the defensive linemen into the linebacker's laps. Have it be Jurgens and Piper double-teaming the nose guard. Have it be Ben Hart and Schichterman double-teaming a four technique up into the linebacker's lap so he doesn't get a free run. He's trying to diagnose the play while also having to deal with the big body in front of him. That's the best way you can do that. And the other piece is have the tight ends involved in the passing game. Make him think about, hey, I can't just bury my head up here and run the game because I've got a 6'8 tight end that could be running right behind me to catch this touchdown pass, right? So the intermediate passing game over the middle is a really good way to slow linebackers down as they're involved in the run game. The offensive line this year going into the season, you just talked a lot about them and, and how big of a job they're going to have on Saturday. How good do you feel about this lineup? The Nebraska offensive yeah. line moving forward, I feel really good about it. You know, I think that Cam Jurgens has come a long way since last season. He's going to have an absolute monster to take care of in the middle there. But I think the biggest thing is his leadership's really what's going to pull these guys through. You got Ben Hart, who's a young guy who struggled a little bit last year. But again, we've talked about it. He's no longer just trying to tread water. He's now out there to dominate. You got Turner on the other side who has one showing under his belt against Rutgers last year, who I think that he at left tackle could be really special for us. And then you got Piper, who also got a lot of playing time last year, meaningful playing time, not cleanup time, who's ready to take the next step in his career too. So you've got a nice mixture of older guys that have a little bit of veterans under their belt and young guys that are hungry and ready to play. I still think it's going to be a bit of a revolving door at guard. I don't necessarily know if either one of these guys have done enough to solidify themselves as I am the starter at left or right guard. But I do think that there's still there's something about competition during games. You feel you find out a lot about an offensive lineman when there's real consequences. Where if you get beat, your quarterback's <laughs> getting killed, right? It's not they're not running by and tagging off and celebrating. Like they're trying to bury him two feet into the ground. And so there's something about when those bullets start flying, everything gets brought up a notch, that the offensive lineman competition, I think, is still going to continue th throughout the first few weeks here in the uh, season.
Let's talk on the flip side, the Illinois offensive line. And you have this as one of your key matchups, really, I guess, on both sides. But the matchup up front, the physicality, who's going to win that is, is going to be a big, maybe determine how, d- determine how this outcome goes. Yeah, I mean, so you talk about the Illinois offensive line. You talk about three guys in particular, Doug Kramer, Viridian Lowe, and Alex, I'm going to butcher his last name, Paklowski, <laughs> I think. So these guys have almost 100, 117 starts between the three of them put together. All of them are super seniors, came back last year. They all could have left last year and went to the NFL. All of them came back for a reason. So you want to talk about a group that's played a lot of football together. Doug Kramer Kramer Jr. being in the middle, being the anchor that holds it all together. Third team all Big Ten last year. A guy that's a cerebral player, not as big as some of these guys, but he understands the game of football really well. They're going up against our veteran group, Ben Stilley, College Forever. You've got Casey Rogers. You've got Ty Robinson. You've got a lot of different guys. Daniel's in there that, I just like I just said, big beef eaters in the middle. The big difference is their guards versus our linebackers, young linebackers. Luke Reimer and Henrik Heinrich are very young, and they played a lot of football last year, but they just don't have the savviness that the uh, Hansen has on the other side of the ball. So the, the front seven matchup is going to be very key here in who wins this game in the trenches because – even though we won that game in 19 in Illinois and then they came here last year, Illinois, it's no secret, physically has beat us up the last two years, both offensively and defensively. It's time to flip the script on them. It's time for Nebraska to beat up on Illinois physically and then also execute in the X's and O's side as well. You're getting fired up just I talking about so it. You're going to run through to the go. wall. <laughs> like, I, am so, I, I am so excited for football season. It, this time of year gets my blood going. It gets me pumped up, breaking down the game, back into film watching mode, back into tape. Like There's a few times I came out of my office the last few days. My wife's like, you need to calm down. Like, go for a walk. Take the kids to the park. Get out of the house. Because I'm just like, did you see this? She's like, I don't care oh, like, but I'm, I'm ready to rock and roll I love it I love it and you got to love this matchup too that it's it seems like it's both teams kind of have similar strengths and in, in their offensive mm-hmm. and defensive lines yeah and I mean anytime that's the big 10 the big 10 in a nutshell is going to be who up front physically can dominate and so to see right out the gate week zero two dominant physical fronts going after each other is going to make for a hell of a football game to watch so we're hearing a lot of the players talk about, you know, as I mentioned earlier, it, it feels different this mm-hmm. year. And, and they believe in a way that they maybe haven't in the past. And there's a lot of older guys that came back, you know, to, to turn the tide for this thing. At what point do you maybe see that a team, how does that switch? I mean, how does that flip switch for a team or switch flip for a team where, where you do go from that? maybe doubting yourselves to walking out onto f- to a field believing that you were going to win football games? The easiest one is you win. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's very simple. If I'm sitting here as a fan, I'm going, we need to be 3-0 and heading into Norman. And I know that's don't look ahead, don't look ahead, but there's nothing wrong within your mind as a player going, no, we're going to be 3-0 and walking mm-hmm. into Norman. And that starts this week. That starts with a Big Ten play, only show on turf, all eyes on us, Bunch of stuff happened nationally. Bunch of stuff happened locally. Who cares? We're here to win football games. And when that's your mindset, you can win a game before you really walk out on the stand, out on the on the turf. Because when that's your mindset, you're not worried about anything else but execution. And when you can just all 11 guys that are on the field worry about executing every single snap, you're going to win majority of your games. 
And winning breeds confidence. Losing is also a habit, but winning breeds confidence. So the more wins you can get and the more you can stack wins on top of each other is when you really start to see teams with confidence start getting better and better and better each week. I'm not saying we're not going to lose a game this year, but when we do lose a game this year, how many wins behind us or how many wins in front of us do we know that we have strictly based off the confidence level that we've been able to develop from week zero? So you get this thing snapped off. You're going to be on the sidelines. What's the very first thing you're going to look for? You're going to notice. The very first thing I'm going to notice is how are we firing off the football? Mm-hmm. How, is, how are both sides of the ball? Defensively, offensively. And I'm also going to be looking immediately at what's the scheme for Illinois. What is their scheme, defensively, offensively? What's the game plan that they're attacking us with? Is it going to be two-gap readers up front? Are they going to be penetrators? Are they readers? Are they downhill linebackers? Or are they side-to-side linebackers? Are they blitzing like crazy on third down? Our first third down, are they going to come after us or are they going to play coverage? And I think a lot of that's just going to be kind of a feel-out. And then on offense, what is his? what is Bielma's game plan? Nobody knows. Is it going to be the Wisconsin of old where you don't break the huddle until – 18 seconds you don't snap it till three seconds and and you hold on to the football for 38 40 minutes of the game or is it going to be the spread try and get up and match tempo and you just don't know but me being down there on the field I really want to look at those things at the ground level view and start getting a feel for the game within the first two or three possessions we've gone through all of this and we haven't even mentioned the running backs you talked a lot about the offensive line but we're hearing that you know that they've got a guy that one guy that's probably going to be the bell cow but um how big is that for this whoever it is hasn't played much nebraska football uh, that they're going to be kind of thrown into the fire in this kind of matchup when you're talking about going up against linebackers like you just talked about yeah i mean you start thinking about what we talked about before is who's gotten the most reps with this offensive line over the course of this week who is most familiar with the scout team looks that we've run. Is it Sevion Morrison? Is it Gabe Irvin? Is it Steph? You just don't know. But I think the fact that they have a guy means a lot. It means someone separated themselves even further in the last eight, 10 days than anybody else. And that's good for us. That's good for the Huskers because that means that there is someone that as a staff, they were all collectively able to go, that's our guy. Mm -hmm. And that means a lot. And then the guy behind him, I promise you, he's not happy about the fact that he's not the starter. But again, if you're a good team, you know your role and you know that your opportunity is a running back number two, you're going to get touches. Yeah. Especially if you want to be a physical football team and run the ball 60% of the time. So he's going to get his opportunity too, whoever that might be. And then even the third running back is going to get opportunities. All three of those guys are still going to get opportunities because just like we said, evaluations going on on the offensive line, you better believe evaluations going on in that running back room too because the RB2 can quickly become RB1 if all of a sudden he has 100 yards and 120 yards rushing this game but a lot of it too is who's not making the mental mistakes as young players one other player you wanted to talk about um, on Illinois side of the ball Isaiah Williams what are you seeing out of of him yeah so I did read through the notes that he made the switch to receiver now Mm -hmm. last year a lot of people forget he played quarterback for them last year during the whole COVID. I think Brandon Peters, I think, caught COVID and was out for a couple of games. And they essentially just ran a wildcat offense with him back there. And he ran all over the place. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was student body left, student body right, <laughs> power this. I mean, they just got the ball in his hands. And so he's a playmaker for them that has now made the switch to wide receiver. 
that I think we're going to see a lot of jet motions. We're going to see a lot of reverses. They're going to use him in any way special to get the ball in his hand, a bubble screen, a quick slant, because he has the shiftiness to make people move. I think you'll see Cam Taylor-Britt follow him a lot. If wherever he may go, he might be a guy that matches up well because Cam's a bigger guy and can kind of smother him a little bit. But just look for them to get him the football in unique ways and try and get him to make people miss and go the distance. Okay, every week I, I want to get a player to watch. Mm -hmm. But let's start since it's you know the very first game. Give me a player to watch for the season that you think maybe could have a breakout year. You know, the player I'm, I'm, I'm going to have my eyes glued to this season is Samari Toure. Mm -hmm. And he's a guy that was an amazing football player at Montana. I mean, FCS All-American, broke a bunch of records. He's now playing at the biggest level possible in college football. And I think that he's a guy that could come out of the gate extremely hot. But can he maintain that week in and week out? And can he become a guy that Adrian's really trustworthy? And I think he can be. He's one of the guys I'm really excited about because our passing game was not excellent last year, to put it lightly. <laughs> and I think that he's the kind of guy that could really make the next step for Adrian as a passer to be able to have those slots, those inside routes, those trustworthy corners, those trustworthy over the middle, feed it between two safeties kind of players. So he's the guy I'll be watching all year long. He hadn't even played in a football game for two years. Yeah. You're fired up. Think about how fired up he is. Oh, he probably can't wait to get back <laughs> out there in real time. Two years is a long time not mm -hmm. to play football. And I promise you that guy's going to be ready to rock and roll. Okay, let's talk, talk about this specific matchup. Mm -hmm. Player to watch both sides of the football for Nebraska. So offensively, for a player to watch, I'm going to go Adrian Martinez. I, that's the easy one out the gate, but we will go as he goes. It's very simple. I'm excited to see his decision-making being fast and decisive, and I really want to see his ball security be cleaned up from last year. If he can be fast with his decisions and he can be decisive in the run game with the reads and the pulls and the throws and then really take care of the football, I think we'll be just fine on offense. Switch it over to defense. I want to see how Luke Reimers plays. We're talking about where we've lost both Colin Miller and Will Honus in the middle from last year. Who's going to be the guy that's now the captain in the middle? It has to be one of those two linebackers. I think it has the chance to be Luke Reimers. Again, a guy played a lot of football last year and splashed. He was almost second on the team in tackles, I believe. Can he be that tackling machine? Can he be Nebraska's Jake Hansen in three years? I think he can. So I want to see that from week one tomorrow, week zero, um, on Saturday of him just flying around with his hair on fire, making tackles all over the field. You just brought up something that made me think a couple guys that got black shirts for the first mm -hmm. time. When you were a player, what, what was that like and, and how special is that? It's so cool. I mean, I know guys to this day that their black shirt penny practice jersey is hung up on their wall more than their game jersey mm -hmm. is. And that's because Nebraska is known for our black shirts. And I was an offensive guy and I never got one, but the emotion that I've watched guys receive their black shirts with, it spills over to the entire team, especially the hometown guys, guys that are born and raised here in Nebraska, probably want to be a black shirt since they could talk. And to see guys like Garrett Nelson get a black shirt and the, the emotion that's in his eyes when he does it, it really can spill over and galvanize an entire team. And to see that they handed those out already to a proven defensive unit, I think was the right move. So a uh, big Saturday for you as mm -hmm. well. New role. We've talked yeah. a little bit about it. Are you going to be able to sit on the sideline and not run out onto the field and try to hit somebody? Yeah, you know, I, I'm going to have to keep it in check a little bit. <laughs> um, I do get a tad fired up every now and then, but I also know that this is something that I've, 
I've dreamed about doing as well. Mm -hmm. I've always thought about how cool it would be to be a sideline reporter. I mean, back from when I was playing in high school and then in college and then in the NFL. And so for me, this is a very, very cool opportunity in, in itself. I might not have the pads on and smashing my head against people, but you better believe I'm going to bring the same energy to the sideline that I brought to the field. That is awesome. And Jeremiah, well, yeah, you'll hear him during the game broadcast, but also hear him in the pregame show uh, leading up to it. And then we will be uh, mm -hmm. double teaming, tag teaming the Husker Game Day Live, which you can see uh, streaming on YouTube and Facebook, uh, Twitter, all the places, Huskers.com, all the places that we've been streaming Sports Nightly. You'll be able to see that. You'll be able to see warm-ups. Uh, that's got to be exciting for fans. we got to got to think that a lot of fans will be excited to see how this team warms up on Saturday. Absolutely. And if you're curious who's playing where, because again, we have no depth chart, that's the great place to look. Right. Watch warmups. Who's running with the ones? I promise you we'll know who the starting running back is before the first play of the offensive snap, because you'll get to see it in warmups. You'll get to see who's working where on defense and who's quarterback number two. And watching warmups will tell you a lot about a football game before you get started. And yeah, I'm excited to do that with you. We're going to have a really fun time with that. And again, the only place you're going to be able to see all of that. So you'll want to tune in. That is starting at 11 o'clock on Saturday. We'll have some different times and lineups for you on uh, home games and on the road. But this Saturday, we're going to kick the, kick the stream off starting at 11 a.m. And make sure you let us know where you're watching. If you got any questions, I'm sure Jeremiah will love to answer them, right? You yeah, want absolutely. to hear from fans? Send in, and send in questions, send in comments, and always I love finding where people are watching. We got people last year, I remember when we did it with Kevin Suits last year, guys from Iraq and Alaska mm -hmm. and Greenland and all over the Nebraska and Husker Nation is wide. It's reaches far and we love knowing where you guys are watching from. 11 a.m. Central and then of course the uh, radio pregame show will kick off at 8 a.m. and we'll take you up all through the locker room, postgame, all that kind of stuff. We have got you covered here on the Huskers Radio Network. That's going to wrap up the first game week mm. episode of uh, the Sideline Scoop with Searles. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For Jeremiah Searles, I'm Jessica Cootie.